Okay, so we are back. JD, how are you today? Man, all good, all good. I love it, I love it. So today's going to be a really good episode. We have the man. I'm so excited about this one. We have Chris Hetherington here. Chris, how are you today? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Thank you. Uh, JD, do you want to explain how you know Chris? Yeah. Um, one of my best friends I grew up with, Benny Fowler. Um, played basketball with him growing up. We've been best friends since we were 14 years old, freshman in high school. Um, Benny started like the first four years of his career with the Denver Broncos. And um, most of the time, like, he would be – one of the guys I always trained with during the summer, like when I was still playing ball and stuff. Um, and we would always just train at different facilities. We've been at different facilities out here in LA, back home in Michigan, wherever it may be. So like for two or three years, Benny kept telling me like, yo, this this big time facility out there in Denver, in the Denver area. And he said, Peyton Manning is involved and they got all this blood testing going on and all this high-tech stuff going on, just hyping the whole thing up. So I'm like, man, I definitely want to come do that because I just love Denver, period. Like, it's one of my favorite cities to just hang with. I spent a lot of time out there with Benny. So um, I don't remember exactly how it happened. Did Benny put us in contact, like, through yeah, Texas? Benny and uh, Arnie Kander yeah. as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, yeah, so I finally went out there, trained out there for a week. I think we met in L.A. first. Yep. I think we got connected in L.A., sat down, just talked about everything. And, yeah, so basically sports training brought us together. See, the sports world is you guys have, like, secret connections, <laughs> right? Like, there, there, there's a secret network here that I feel like we're all, especially this audience, is just learning about. Chris, do you want to just give our audience just a quick 30 seconds on you and your background? Sure. Yeah, I grew up in Connecticut. Um, I was a big hockey player as a kid, actually. You know, played all sports. Went to this little prep school in Connecticut called Avon All Farms. Uh, played football, hockey, and baseball. Um, and then went to Yale. I played football and baseball at Yale. Uh, I was a quarterback in college. Kind of a unique story. I never played quarterback in my life. They moved me to moved me my freshman year to quarterback. They moved so. you to quarterback at yeah. Yale. Yeah. It was, How does it was, that happen? It was it was actually a funny story. Back in the day in the Ivy League, you weren't eligible to play varsity football. So, coming in as a freshman, you had to play freshman football. And um, you know the Ivy League, you, they generally recruited you know athletes who were quarterbacks. So they recruited like ten quarterbacks a year. They ended up moving eight quarterbacks out of the positions, and and it was weird. I was Scott Burrell, who was a basketball guy. His his dad was a coach yeah. uh, of ours on our freshman team. Sam Burrell saw me throw the ball one day. I said, "Hey, dude, you ever played quarterback?" I'm like, "I never played quarterback in my life." So. Long story short, they ended up moving to quarterback. I uh, played that for four years. It came out in the draft as an athlete. Um, ended up playing in the NFL for 11 years. Uh, and um, been with this hedge fund for you know ever since, for, for 10 years. I've had a bunch of different roles, which I'm sure we'll get into. But, yeah, that's the story. Grew up in Connecticut. Yeah, it's such uh, a dream life. Like I was, I was telling Chris uh, beforehand, JD, that uh, I'm like, this is what, like, a guy's guy's fantasy. Like, Yale, they somehow mysteriously – just decide you're the quarterback and the man, right? 11 years in the NFL. What teams did he play for? I played for Indy, Carolina, St. Louis, Oakland, and San Fran. What was your, what was your best stop? Uh, Carolina. It, it was, you know, it's a good time in my career. They used the fullback a lot. I had one radio show, you know, pictures around the billboards. It was, it was a good time in my career for sure. Wow. What team was that? Like, who who was on that team? Uh, so Steve Berline, Tim Biakapatuka, 
Wesley Walls. Uh, yeah, we, we, had a, we had a good team. Oh, gotcha. yeah. Wow. And so uh, I think one of the really big things we'd love to talk about today is sort of that transition into business, right? Like so much of chance bending. Um, this is a podcast about entrepreneuring and about bending chance, about sort of making the odds of life work for you. Tell us about that moment as you transitioned from sports to business. What what was that like? It was it was different. Uh, like we were talking about earlier, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a good education. Went to Yale. Um, you know, I knew the average career was three years, so I tried to prepare myself for life after football uh, early on in my career. Um, you know, I did some internships at some financial firms. I uh, did the uh, executive and entrepreneur programs at Harvard and Ward in my last two years in the league and uh, was really trying to figure out what the hell I want to do with the rest of my life. And so, like I told you earlier, I, I interviewed a lot of these big banks and and the key for me was to find, you know, a team of like-minded individuals, a culture that I thought I can fit into, you know, guys that work hard, play hard and, you know, competitive, you know, smart guys and girls. And, uh, you know, I was lucky to find that team. And, I, you know, I've been there ever since. And like I said, I've had a bunch of different roles. I was a trader for three years. We bought a professional basketball team in Tokyo and I was the president of the basketball team for a Get year. Get out of here. Yeah, which was insane. Wait, wait, what team? JD, do you know this? Yeah, he told me, he told <laughs> me about that. So it's called the Tokyo Apache. Um, uh -huh. And uh, the founder of our firm, Mike Lurch, is, is a good buddy of mine. He went to Princeton. I played football against him in college. And he was a big Laker guy. He had, you know, courtside seats at the Lakers. And so essentially our thesis was to take over the, you know, NBA style of basketball entertainment and bring it to Tokyo. You know, we had, you know, seven offices in Tokyo, all these big financial relationships, you know, for courtside seats and, and sponsorships and, and the like. So, yeah, so we hired Bob Hill, who was a four-time NBA head coach. I brought over nine former NBA cheerleaders over there and, and, and put them up for four months. And it was fun. We, had, we were playing in this government arena. We had courtside seats and we had Laker uniforms. Um, the problem was it was a little challenging, the league, the way the league was run. There wasn't a lot of parity in the league in that, you know, we play these away teams and go in these bullet trains and these small prefectures and there's, you know, 300-seat arenas. They're charging 10 U.S. dollars a ticket. There's no showers for the players after the games. It was just, it was a tough model. So, but anyway, we grinded out. I had a lot of relationships in the NBA. We were trying to be, you know, this is when the NBA was potentially going on strike, right, in 2010, 2011. So we're like, shit, let's build this platform. You know, we'll get uh, Kobe, Kobe Bryant's dad used to be the coach of our team. Uh, before I got there and so we'll build this platform maybe it goes on strike We'll get Sony or Canon to sponsor Kobe or some of these guys to come over and play and so we were about 80% way through our season that year and, and that's when that big earthquake and tsunami happened in 2011 so oh, yeah. which is unfortunate you know a couple of the team's infrastructure was wiped out and and as a firm we decided to participate in the relief fund and and long story short, we ended up uh, selling the team the next year, but uh, it was an amazing experience. I lived in Tokyo for a year and uh it, you know business wise it was phenomenal I, you know i built the whole thing from scratch essentially and you know i was the ceo the cfo the coo the cmo it was it was business school times 100. so it seems like you've you've been amazing at just creating these new opportunities for yourself i think one of the things you said which really resonates with me is this idea that you needed to find a different social network of sorts after sports yep that, that seems powerful to me. I know that in uh, a lot of, uh, I do some uh, work with people that are in rehab and so forth, and that's a really big idea is that you need to, 
um, actually bring people around that are positive and supportive, and you have to replace that social network in order to make things work. Yeah. Same thing in sports, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me, to be honest, over the last 10, 11 years is to try to have a growth mindset, you know, to really, you know, try to work on myself and, and, you know, be the best person I can be, you know, learn as much as I can possibly learn. You know, I meditate twice a day. I I, uh, practice stoicism, you know, just trying to learn as much as I can, have mentors that can help me learn. Uh, Like I said, I've been involved in a bunch of different businesses, which has helped me grow and and understand business from from different perspectives. And uh, but yeah, you know, once you're out of the NFL, people kind of forget about you. And so you have to you have to create opportunities. And, uh, you know, luckily, like I said, I went to Yale, so I had a a deep network of relationships that were, you know, business people and that were willing to help. And, and but you have to be a good person. You got to be humble about the process, which is tough. Uh, but lucky enough, I was able to do that. And, you know, shit, I started this firm from scratch. I didn't even know what a what an option was. The next thing you know, I was trading options in 60 days. You know? So <laughs> yeah, you got to work your ass off. And, and some of the things I, I learned as an athlete, you know, this relentless work ethic and, and, you know, like I said earlier, being humble about the process and not coming in with this sense of entitlement and should I play in the NFL 11 years, I'm the man. No, you're, you know, you're starting from zero. So was, was the path clear? I, it's unclear to me, actually, like what, did you know this was your direction or did it take a while to, to find it's funny because you know if I if I didn't play football, you know the the natural path. A lot of my buddies went to Wall Street and worked in finance, and unless they're going to become doctors. But uh, so I always had finance in my in my mind. My brother uh, is ten years older, and he's been with Merrill Lynch for since nineteen eighty six. And I've always paid attention to the markets and was always interested in, in finance. So it wasn't absolutely clear, but but at the end of the day. You know, I was trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to do, and and you know, this is the clearest path for me. Um, it was just trying to figure out what area of finance that that you know I thought I fit in the most uh, with, whether it be you know private wealth management, uh, you know trading firms or, or big hedge funds or private equity or venture capital, and and so, like I said, the biggest thing for me, I was very very fortunate and lucky to find this group and 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 this group of people that I just fit in with. Man, I can be myself and I can you know grow as fast as I could and try to be great, and that's you know that's what I try to do. JD, it seems like uh, so many athletes struggle with that transition. Uh, it seems like Chris sort of figured out from a social network perspective how to find people. How do you do that? How are you working with with athletes with, on stuff like that? Um, before I get into that, I think um, the the immediate answer that pops out to me and it's something that uh, made me and Chris click right away. And I think um, the guy that I'm going to mention made them click right away is my father, though because that's what he did in terms of what Chris said. Like, um, my pops always tells a story. I don't think many people knows, know this, but he was thinking like, all right, I'm going to a small school, McNeese State. Um, senior year was leading the, the country in scoring. So he was like, all right, I might have a chance to play in the NBA, but for whatever reason, if this doesn't work out, I'm gonna go to law school. Kind of similar to what he said, all right, it's a three year lifespan in the NFL. Let me do some internships. Let me, you know, start. So I think um, for an athlete is actively doing that while trying to pursue a career, whether it's early in your career. And then, like you say, later in your career, you did Warden and Harvard Business School. Later in my pop's career, 
he was um, setting up his own automotive company to supply for GM or whoever the, one of the um, the big guys were at the time. He was opening up the Joe Dumars field houses. So I think it's actively becoming an entrepreneur, even though you may be an active athlete. So that's kind of just what I preach. Like, you know, that's an example I saw growing up. I remember those days. Like, I don't re really remember early in his career, but later in his career, I remember, like, I didn't really view him as a basketball player. He was an elder statesman at that point, and, you know, I remember him walking around in a suit, going to business meetings. So I think it's something that, you know, you have to transition into being before your playing days are over. You can't just one day become that after after the ball stops or whatever. Yeah, that's that's powerful to me. I think that uh, we're – it's funny. We were talking about it before the show. We are saying that Joe Dumars um, – what jumps out isn't like the career or even the work or even the business. It's the values – it's the way he treats people. It's the the relationships, and it's so clear like that fuels the success. And then if you combine that with actually, I think what I'm hearing is like going like when you do the work, things open up. Like you have to go out and actually do stuff in order to make stuff happen. Weirdly enough, yeah. does that, yeah, that make sense? You got to work hard, right? Anything you yeah. do, you got to work hard. But you know, the biggest thing I noticed about Jordan and his dad was like just amazing, solid people. You know, and. And as I've gotten older in life, you, you want to surround yourself with good people, right? And you want to meet and, and, and kind of network with good people. And, and once you do that, it creates opportunities, you know? And, and so I was lucky enough to get introduced to, to Jordan and, and his dad, you know, through some friends. And then, you know, you create opportunities from there. And either you become friends with them or you create business opportunities or you introduce them to other people. Or they introduce me to other people to create opportunities. And, then, you know, that's what's cool about life, right? You, you meet good people, you network with them. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you imagine that you're going to be doing Japanese basketball. Uh, no, probably. <laughs> never. <laughs> no, never. But, but I wouldn't trade it for the world, you know, right. I like the experience yeah. I gained there and, you know, shit, you're there. You're, it's it's Japanese. Like there is no English signs. Uh, you know, the cab drivers don't speak English. It's you know, luckily the last time I was over there six months ago. Ironically, the Uber you know app it yeah. was it was in English, so I didn't have to try to communicate where I, where the hell I was going. But uh, it was great, man. And, and you know, I've I was lucky enough to be in this firm that trusted me as an executive, as a leader, and, and sent me over there to do a job. And you know, I was going to run through a wall for these guys. I always had a question for you. I don't know if we ever got into it in depth. Like, um, obviously, it makes a lot of sense if you if you hear your story. Like, Yale background always was a bright guy. Always was business savvy. Always connected. But like, how it? I think it sounds a lot easier than it is to go from an NFL fullback for eleven years to being a part of a firm like that. Like, that's you don't hear that often. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we could count on the number of hands. How many people are actually doing that? Like, yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, there are guys that that have done it. Obviously, there's a lot of guys. There's another Yale guy, Gary Fensick, who was a great uh, defensive back. For, obviously, for the Bears, you know, he works for a private equity group called uh, Adam Street Partners. You know, but he went to he got his MBA while he's still playing playing football. So he was very proactive. You know, to to our points earlier. But yeah, man, it's 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 a tough transition. You know, and and look, I. My first two years trading, I was working 18 hours a day and, and uh, couldn't hold out a relationship because I was, you know, checking out the European markets at night and, and trying to record my trades and what I did right, what I did wrong. 
I mean, you got to put in the work, you know, and I didn't, like I said earlier, I didn't have any training. Uh, you know, you go to Goldman Sachs, you get put in a two year training program and, and, you know, you get, you got a lot of reps. I, you know, I had to create reps for myself. And so I've always done that. You know, I went from, like I said, I, I went to Yale and never played quarterback in my life and then became a quarterback. And then I went from being a pretty boy quarterback to a goon fullback in the NFL. And, and, you know, that's a humble process too, right? You're used to having the ball in your hands every play and now you're, you know, glorified offensive lineman in the backfield. <laughs> so, but I was, you know, I was lucky enough to learn from the older guys in the team and, and, you know, how they became great pros and how they took care of their bodies and their minds and, and, you know, what they were doing in the off season and, and treating this like a full-time job and, you know, just like basketball, any sport. How, you know, one of the things we were talking about was um, how do you deal with, you, you're used to having 80,000 people cheering for you how do you deal like were you have you been able to find different highs or how, how does that work <clears throat> yeah I, I actually was just having a conversation i got involved in this future seal fund uh, seal future fund and uh, basically um helps guys that were in that that did service transition into the real world and i was like look man you can't replace that feeling you know like yeah. like you said going in you know in a tunnel and you know, 80,000 fans, you know, screaming their heads off, or we played in Mexico City, it was 110,000 fans, but, you know, I can't get that same feeling going into a finance meeting or, or <laughs> with you know. Microsoft Excel. Yeah, exactly. But, but, uh, you know, the same kind of traits apply in that you look at, you know, you want to be great and you want to go in and mentally and uh, prepare for this meeting and go in and, and perform your best and get a deal done. And it's just, it's the same. So kind do you of feel process. like it's a competition thing or do you feel like it's a, just a pure high thing? I think the biggest thing for me that I miss is, is the, is the, you know, the, the preparation, you know, like the, the game day preparation or during the week preparation. And I try to, 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 you know, follow that same process in anything I do, whether it be, you know, getting ready for a meeting or getting ready for an interview or, you know, preparing for a podcast, thinking about, you know, what I want to talk about or points I want to articulate, you know, it's preparations is the biggest thing for me because when you're an athlete, you know, I was so superstitious and, and, you know, have all these weird quirky things you do. But at the end of the day, it's like you're preparing for battle. You know, you're preparing for a meeting. You're preparing to win. Weirdest, yeah. weirdest superstition you can share? Oh, uh, God, I had a lot of them. I, I would write shit all over my body. You know, <laughs> I would, uh, you know, wear the same stuff. I was the anal guy that, that had to have my equipment tailored perfectly. You know, it's just... Yeah, nothing, nothing insane, but uh, you know, like the old look good, feel good, play good type mm -hmm. thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can totally understand this feeling of uh, uh, success on every level, and then just having, you know, life and things change and plans change, and then dealing with it. Um, that's a, it's a, it's a big deal. What? Tell us more about your work today. Like, what are you doing in two thousand eighteen, two thousand nineteen here? Yeah, you know, so so like Benny mentioned, I my firm has made a few investments in some companies. So our our main business is we've gone from a multi-strategy hedge fund. We kind of evolved into a more of a boutique investment bank. So we're the number one financers of small cap companies and biotech companies in, in Tokyo and Asia. Uh, we've acquired some companies along the way uh, if we have a deep relationship or we see we can add a lot of value through our resources, et cetera. So uh, we made a major investment in a group called Resilience Code in Denver uh, in February of 17. So I became the CEO. Um, I was the CEO for about 18 months, uh, you know, really kind of 
turn around the business, kind of restructure the whole business, uh, you know, hired a bunch of people. Uh, you know, really great company is more of a, a data-driven, evidence-based, uh, you know, medical and performance center. It was started by uh, Dr. Chad Presmack, who's uh, the team neurosurgeon in the Broncos. He's a chief neurosurgeon at a, a clinic out in Denver. Um, and then the other guy was Dr. Dustin Navin, who runs the Olympic Training Center. So really bright guys. Uh, it was like it was it was heaven for me. You know, I, I you know, had that, uh, you know, I love working out. I love eating right and take care of my body and kind of biohacking uh, any chance I can. So it was an amazing experience. But at the end of the day, it was it was tough work. You know, I was over there for for 18 months. Uh, uh, without my family, I was there five days a week, you know, on a plane every week, twice a week, and, and it was a grind. But I, I love doing it. It was a great experience. I've transitioned out of the CEO role. I'm an I'm an officer on the board, you know, still involved. Uh, now I'm back with the hedge fund, uh, doing some structured finance deals. I'm looking at a couple other companies that we've invested in to see if I can help, you know, restructure and clean those businesses up a little bit, and, and just wherever I can add value. Are you are you still uh, working with with athletes in any in any sense or direction? Um, not not specifically. I, I have some ventures with some guys that you know I was teammates with, uh, and like I said, I try to I try to help wherever I can. I, I my agent puts me on the phone with some guys every year that are that are looking for some guidance or some help or some advice. Uh, I love doing that. You know, it's it's funny getting getting involved in that basketball kind of got me fired up about sports again. You know, yeah, sure. I'd played football for twenty seven years, and and you know, in the NFL, it's it's very political, right? So, I was always grinding every year. I'm one one two year deals, and uh, you know, like I said, I was lucky enough to play for eleven years. But but at the end of my career, I was like, look, I, I kind of want to use my brain other ways. I'm a little tired of the, the political you know, atmosphere, and uh, and then I got into you know the real world, and and you know had this opportunity back in sports again in basketball, and it was it was a really rewarding experience for me in that you know to have a, uh, an impact in these kids' lives and careers in, in a very positive way, right? Like taking all the experience of and the good and the bad from the teams I played for, whether it be ownership groups or GMs or coaches, and, and try to reflect on that and. And really try to provide a great culture where these kids can thrive, right? Mm -hmm. And these kids can really, you know, prepare for not only their careers, but but get on a better path for life after basketball was was fun for me. Uh, you know, one of the one of the big trends here with chance spending is this idea that athletes are becoming uh, real business people, right? And I, I I mean they've always been business people, but what I mean is that they're taking control of their business lives. They're starting to own businesses. Are you seeing this trend emerge? Are you talking to other athletes about this? How how anything going on there? Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I think the leagues are getting better. I think they're you know pro providing education for these guys, and whether it be financial literacy seminars or or you know providing opportunities to to network with business people, et cetera. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, my my kids go to school with Baron Davis's kids, and he's a you know pretty successful entrepreneur. Uh, I know a lot of football guys that are involved. Is that Crossroads? What is that? Crossroads. Yeah. No, crossroads. my kid goes to Little Dolphins. It's a little preschool in Santa Monica. Got it. Uh, Baron did go to Crossroads. Track. Yeah. Crossroads Track. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I see a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see a lot of athletes that are doing well in business that, you know, look at Kobe Bryant, right? He, he surrounds himself with really smart people and, and gets involved in some good ventures. But, but again, you know, the guy puts in the work and he grinds, you know, and, Look at look at his basketball career. It's kind of using those same that same work ethic and, and preparation and and diligence to to get involved in, in business. And so it's been cool watching these guys. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, we were on the same page. Um, I, that was actually about to be my next question, just um, someone like you who I think would probably rank as one of the most legitimate former athletes to speak on a topic like that. Like, you got in the game, like, the the um, the, the firm that you were. How long ago was that? That was in uh, 2008, so 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, you were ahead of the curve, like, all right, beyond a real business person like you know what i'm saying so to see like the culture develop like it is right now especially in the basketball world you got lebron trying to you know be at the forefront with a lot of things you do you mentioned kobe kd has a venture firm of his own like i would just i would just love to hear your perspective i know you touched on it a little bit but like just the culture like you know what i'm saying like it's it's crazy to see that so yeah. i would just someone like you you know it's a different perspective on it because you really doing things like that yeah, I mean, to be perfectly honest, man, I mean, you know, I, I played 11 years, but I was a fullback. I mean, I didn't make the money that some of these guys made, right? right. So I had to go to work for a living, right? right? So, you know, like I said, luckily I had a good education and and knew a lot of people in the business world. It's like, okay, well, what am I going to do that, one, I'm going to be good at, and two, I can make money and and live a good life, you know? And, uh, and then when I got married and had kids, like, you know, how do I have this work-life balance of and provide a good, you know, a, fam, a good opportunity for my family. And so it, it hasn't been easy the whole time. I mean, look, I, I've had to reinvent myself so many times within this firm. Um, but, but luckily I have, I have a, you know, a boss that, that trusts me to, you know, puts me on these assignments and know I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work my ass off to make this thing successful. So right. that's, that's hard to find, uh, especially for an athlete. And, you know, at the time when I first joined this firm, should I have been out of school 12 years? And I had to go take an Excel class because I never took Excel in my life. I didn't even know what Excel was, right. you know? So I took a three-week Excel course to learn what the hell I was doing in Excel, you know? And uh, you I just, feel, I'm so sorry you had to do that. It, was, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't fun. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, my point is, you know, I've been very fortunate, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's it's been a grind. You know, it's it's tough reinventing yourself. It's you, know, you get involved in a career, and you, you kind of get on this trajectory and this one you know, or one path to you know, whether you're in private equity and you kind of climb up the ranks. You know, I've been involved in a lot of businesses, which has been great for my kind of overall business IQ, um, and I've learned a ton. Um, but but the key for me is I'm at a, I'm at a great place. Uh, I work with amazing people, and, and I'm happy doing it. You know that's that's I think even tougher to find in in today's world. Yeah, yeah. you touching on the subject. You continue to touch on the subject. Me and Ben have had multiple conversations with, and um, Ben always laughs and makes a joke. How you know it's a conception. I mean, there's a perception out there that um, athletes are dumb jocks and. Really, in a lot of ways, it's the exact opposite. Like, and, and you touched on it when you say um, playing sports can give you so many traits and teach you so many different things. Whether it's the cliche things like discipline, focus, determination, but like in your case, it's a clear, it's clear that it, you know that those things benefited you. So it's just funny that you keep mentioning that. And then like I, I, I really like what you just said about um, reinventing yourself. I think. Like people in sports that last a long time have to do that. Like, again, I'll speak to my experience growing up with a guy, my father, who had to do that multiple times. He come he comes in the league unknown, really. 
Then he turns into a champion and an all-star. Then he's an elder statesman. Then he turns into a president. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I can really appreciate that because, you know, I've, I've kind of lived that. So I, I, I really relate to a lot of what you're saying right now. Yeah, it's different. I mean, you, you know, you get in the league, right, in the NFL, and everybody's the man, right? Everybody yeah. is the shit yeah. in college, you know? And, and you get there, and you have 53, you know, 52 other guys, and – you know, guys uh, starting linebacker for Florida State, he comes in as a rookie and like, look, man, you got to play special teams. Like, I've never played special teams in my life, you know. You want to make the team, you know, and survive here, you got to play special teams. So guys hopefully learn that, look, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be a team player. You know, I'm willing to play special teams. I'm willing to switch positions. You know, you see some of these guys that aren't willing to do that, and look, they're gone. Yep. You know, yeah. you can't. Yeah can't learn the playbook and improve your football IQ or you can't take care of your body and and uh and you know and your mind you know well, career's the, short the thing that resonates with me is with with athletes like like you and Jordan just the amount of pressure you guys can handle right like like in my podcasting world or social media world if you get one negative comment someone will be like ah terrible episode or like you suck yeah right that can crush people, and and I've been there, right? Like it took me a while to get used to stuff like that. Just the level that you guys deal with that that alone seems to be like this incredible skill right now. It, you feel like that's what's well, funny. You know, when I played, there wasn't social media, right? right, uh, right. So it was a little different, but. But to your point, you just you gotta have confidence in yourself, right? And you gotta you gotta want to be great, and uh, and can't can't let you know how external influences affect you know how you feel or how you perform. And and look, you can't make everybody happy, you know. <coughs> I, I saw that firsthand when I was a quarterback at Yale. Like you know, there was games where I had really shitty games, you know. And and I'm like, God, I should probably switch back to running back here, you know. But um, but you know, I had I had coaches that believed in me and my athleticism, and and you know, the biggest thing which I want to touch on earlier, what you said is, you know, people are looking for leaders, you know, and athletes generally, you know, if they're good leaders, it's going to translate into into their next opportunity. And so, what I was telling these these uh, Navy SEAL guys that are looking to transition into the real world is like. There are a, company, a lot of companies that are looking for legitimate leaders, you know, and guys that are disciplined and guys that can, you know, really provide or help the culture thrive. And so that's that's been good for me. I try to be a positive influence in the office. I try to lead by example. Um, you know, I'm not always the smartest guy in the room, obviously, <clears throat> but, but you know, it's like the rock, right? He prides himself on being the hardest worker in the room. And, you know, mm -hmm. I really respect guys like that, you know, and like things are not easy, man. You got to work. You know, and, and nothing's been ever, nothing's ever been given to me. I've had to work for everything and it's not easy at times, but, but, you know, I, I embrace the grind. And like I said earlier, I, I try to have a growth mindset and, and try to learn as much as well, I, I mean, can. You said that you're, the thing you miss the most about the NFL is, is game day preparation yeah. and preparation. I mean, that speaks volumes, right? right? Yeah. Like it, <laughs> think of all the things you could have said, right? And that's what you said. Yeah, I mean, you know, guys would probably say I miss the money and the paychecks and all that stuff. But I, I just, I miss preparing with my teammates. I miss, you know, the camaraderie of, mm -hmm. of, of game day, you know, and, and playing my music and my, you know, my headphones and going out there in pregame and, and, and preparing to, like, go to battle. I, I miss that shit, you mm -hmm. know, and... I try to do it in the finance world. It's a little different where I'm, you know, making sure my suit's tight and shit, but it's, it's not the same, you know? It's not the same. Yeah. 
uh, uh, well, Chris, thank you so much for uh, for your time today. I feel like I learned a lot today. This was a really great episode, so thank you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming through, man. Yeah. All right. Till next time.